0: Good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you this morning. I love our pastry princess and our <laughs> master of mash, if you're either one of those, or I, I'm not as good as that, but if you can cook. Anyway, amazing. You might remember just a few years ago, if, you, if you've been in the UK for that time, that we, our former Prime Minister, Theresa May, was, um, she was being asked by a journalist what the naughtiest thing she had ever done. And you might remember that. And she she sort of stumbled over her answer. And in the end, she came up with this, that the naughtiest thing she'd ever done was run through some fields of wheat as a child. Uh, And that has become uh, something of political folklore and memes and all sorts of stuff um, now. Um, So I, I wonder what the naughtiest thing is that you've ever done. And if it's running through a field of wheat, either you've lived an incredibly holy life or you're lying. Um, I suspect most, if not all of us, can think of hundreds or thousands of things. And if if you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, you'll know that the the standards that God sets for our lives are really high. And so, for example, you'll find Jesus teaching in in Matthew's gospel, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And he said, well, murder's not just murder. Actually, if if you're angry towards somebody or you think they're an idiot, you've murdered them just in your heart. And he says, you know, adultery is not just about the physical act. It's like if we look at somebody lustfully and do you see the way that, you know, the bar is here. And so I suspect all of us can name lots of things that if we're honest, we know that we've messed up and we keep messing up. And so what we're going to think about today, what I'm going to talk about is how can we pray when we've messed up? And so this is part of our series on how we can grow in prayer that we've been running across the summer. We're looking at some great prayers in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. And so if you have a Bible with you today, could you turn to Jonah chapter 2? We're going to look at Jonah's prayer. Now, many of us, I suspect, will know the story of Jonah. Jonah starts the first verse of chapter 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And basically, the Lord says to him, go to this place of Nineveh and preach to them. Jonah chapter 1 and verse 3, but Jonah ran away. Jonah gets on a boat that's going in the opposite direction. This violent storm comes up, and the sailors are kind of, they're throwing cargo overboard, and then they kind of think, okay, somebody must have done something wrong here. Who is it? And in the end, Jonah fesses up and says, it's me. Throw me overboard. And they sort of, they hesitate, but in the end, they launch him overboard. And the Lord sends this great fish to swallow up Jonah. And he is inside the fish for three days and three nights. One way that I think many of us mess up is by not saying yes fully to the call of God on our lives. The word of the Lord comes to us. He speaks to us in some way. But there is always a ship waiting to take us in the opposite direction. Always the kind of ship of, I'm busy with some other things. This, this is not a convenient part of my uh, time of my life, Lord, to be doing that. I'm busy with my job or career. I, I've got a new dog. I've got children, and they need me. Lord, you clearly don't know that I have children. Otherwise, you wouldn't have said that to me, All right? as if that was a surprise to the Lord. The word of the Lord comes. Maybe it's the ship of, we don't feel like we're good enough or qualified, so we jump on that ship and it's going in the other direction. Maybe it's the ship of, was that really the Lord? We know it was, but then we just sort of, we push it. As, oh, no, no, it can't really have been him. Maybe it's the ship of, you know, if, if, I, if I give my yes to what the Lord has said, can I trust him to provide for me? Will, will it all work out all right? Well, there's always a ship waiting to take us in the opposite direction. So let's read Jonah chapter 2. If you've got a Bible with you, the words will come up on the screen. You might have a device. Jonah chapter 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit." Wow. One of the questions that I want to just throw towards us before we get into Jonah's prayer is to ask the question, is this story real, a historical event, or is it a parable, a fictional story to make a point? And the reason I do that is because if you look at commentaries, theologians, they will have differing views on this. And here's an approach that I think is wise to take as we come to texts like this, but also lots of other texts in the Bible. As we read texts in the Old Testament, good question to ask is, did the Apostle Paul or Peter or any of the other New Testament writers have something to help our interpretation? Did they say something about this? Did Jesus have something to say about this that could help us to understand what's going on? So in other words, we read the Old Testament with the light of the New Testament. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. It seems to me that Jesus is saying that Jonah really did spend three days in a big fish, that he was in the same real way that Jonah was in the fish is the same real way that Jesus would be in the tomb for three days between the cross and his resurrection. So I'm with Jesus. I'm with Jesus on this one. Seems to me that Jesus is saying this was real. Okay, so we head into the story. Jonah is in the belly of a big fish. I'm going to state the obvious. This is a really low point of life. This is really low. Verse 2, in my distress from deep in the realm of the dead, he expects to die. He expects to die. Verse 3, he's in this swirl of watery depths, but there's also this swirl of chaos in his life. He knows that he is messed up. He knows that the word of the Lord has come to him and he's jumped on a boat going in the opposite direction. He knows that he's messed up. Verse 4, he says, I have been banished from your sight. That's what our mess and our sin does. It separates us. From God. You may be familiar with what are called 12-step recovery programs. They are—they uh, have Christian roots. They are used um, by uh, organizations like Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, organizations like that. But they're also the basis of a bunch of Christian discipleship programs. Step one of the 12 steps reads this way: We admit that we are powerless over our addiction, which you could read mess, sin, jumping on that other boat. That our lives had become unmanageable. How do we pray when we've messed up? How do we pray when we realize we've got on a boat heading in the other direction? We've got on a boat that's taking us away from what the Lord has called us to, the word of the Lord that's come to us. First step Lord, I've messed up. Confess the mess. We hold our hands up. When we've done something or kept doing things that go against what the Lord has said, I confess. Hands up. Whether it feels like a big thing or a little thing, when we find ourselves running from God's call on our lives, the first thing to do is just name it. I confess. Second step of the 12-step recovery program reads this way that we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. I love that. Now, they talk in, in AA and other organizations about a higher power. Good news, friends, this morning. I know the higher power. We're not talking about some cosmic energy or some force that might be able to set us on a better path. We, we're talking about a power that can free us and restore our lives, and that power has a name. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. So we confess our mess and then we pray, Lord Jesus, I turn to you and I believe in you. It's the second thing that we can do. This is what Jonah does. Verse 2, he calls to the Lord and he calls for help. Even in the belly of the fish, in a pit of despair... He says that he knows that the Lord has heard him and that the Lord has answered him. And that is true. And so when we pray, we may not feel those kind of things, but we can choose to believe it. That God has heard us and that God has answered us. And in verse 4, Jonah feels his separation from the Lord. He knows he's messed up. He knows there is this separation. So what he does is he looks towards the Lord's holy temple. He would have pictured the temple of Jerusalem. And and that is just symbolic of God's presence. So we look to Jesus. We turn to the Lord. And then in verse 6, Jonah chooses to believe that the Lord would bring him up from the pit. And that's another way of saying from death. You know, kind of like, he, know, he, know, he, he thinks he's going to die, right? You don't, you don't survive this kind of experience. And so he's asking, he, he's believing that the Lord would bring him up somehow from the pit, even when he's still in the pit. He didn't know how the Lord was going to do it. He just chose to put his trust in the Lord. Let me share just personally for a moment. For those of you that know me, you'll know that I'm wired fairly logically and analytically. I like plans. I like to think through scenarios. I like to know how things are going to work out. And I'm grateful that the Lord has made me that way. But as I go on as a follower of Jesus, I'm finding that I have to embrace way more mystery. Way more unknown. Stuff that I just don't know. You see, if I was Jonah in that moment, I'd be wanting to know exactly how the Lord was going to rescue me. Like exactly, Lord, how are you going to get me out of this place? And sometimes the Lord tells us, but most often he chooses not to. And that's because we have to live by faith, not sight. We live by faith, not sight. We choose to trust that the Lord will do it, Even if we do not know how, and so I share that because that's part of my personal journey of having to embrace far more mystery and unknown, and I would commend it to you. And I love what Jonah prays in verse nine. He says, "I, I, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you." Now, again, we go back to Jonah's day. To bring a sacrifice, you would bring a cow, or a sheep, or a dove or a goat, to the temple as a sacrifice. How many cows, sheep, or goats do we think they're in the fish's belly, alive and in a good state to be a sacrifice? I'm hazarding a guess at zero. What was the only thing that Jonah could bring as a sacrifice to the Lord from the depth of a fish's belly? Like Himself. It's the only thing he could bring. So we confess the mess. We turn to the Lord. Third thing, Lord, I give myself to you. So all I've got left. Lord, I give myself to you. As a sacrifice, I give all of my life to you. And friends, that's what the Lord is looking for. He's looking for you and he's looking for me. Not stuck and submerged in our mess, but people who are able to shout out what Jonah does in verse 9. Salvation comes from the Lord. And as I was reading that again this week, I wonder when you first shouted that out or prayed that out in your life. For me, it was when I was about 11 years old. And I wonder when that moment was for you. I wonder whether you can recall a time when you said, that's when I said salvation comes from the Lord. That's when you you know, you know, prayed to the Lord and, and you knew that he had rescued you. And maybe just bring that to mind and be grateful for that right now. But you may be here today and you say, well, I'm, I'm not yet a follower of Jesus and I've not yet given my yes to him. Well, in a few moments, I'm going to lead us all in a prayer where we can give our yes to Jesus. And for some, that may be for the first time. And for others um, like me, I'm going to say yes again because I want to keep giving my yes to Jesus simply because... Saying yes to Jesus unlocks our future. Saves us from our past and unlocks our future. It unlocks hope in us. As I said earlier in the talk, at the heart of Jonah's mess was not saying yes to the call of God on his life. Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The Lord spoke to him but Jonah ran away. And maybe you're here today and you resonate with that in some way. I suspect if we're honest, all of us will resonate with that in some way. There'll be things that the Lord has spoken to us and we have not fully given our yes to it. And what we've done is we've found a boat heading in the opposite direction. And maybe where you are right now, you feel that you're still on that boat, that you've just set off from harbour and the Lord has spoken to you recently maybe and you've just set off. Maybe you feel like you're in the storm. You feel like you're caught up in that swirl. You know you're heading in the opposite direction and it's heading towards like some stormy moments. Maybe you feel like you're overboard and it's kind of like, oh my goodness, I'm now going to start drowning. (laughs) I've headed in a different direction than the Lord has for me and I feel like I'm starting to drown. Or maybe we feel like right now we're in the belly of the fish. You know hope has gone. That thing that the Lord spoke to us, it feels like hope has evaporated from that thing. Or maybe you resonate with that part of the story you've just been vomited up on the beach and you're covered with whatever's in the belly of a fish and it's messy and you're wondering what next. What am I going to do next? Here's what happens. So Remember Jonah chapter 1 verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. After Jonah is vomited up on the beach, on the beach, Jonah chapter 3 and verse 1 says this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. For me this is one of the most beautiful verses in scripture. Because I think it resonates deeply with our story. Because how many of us here, no no need to indicate, how many of us here recognize that we need a second chance? And a third. And a fifth. And a thousand and thirty-eighth. Right? This is our story. The rescue of God gives us a second chance. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Our mess is not the end of our story. It's not the end of the story. Our future does not have to be defined by our past. Good news today, friends. In Jesus, there is freedom, there is redemption, there is rescue, there is the hope of a new start. The word of the Lord came a second time. I'm going to close with this, and then we're going to share communion and, and, and ha- have our normal ministry time. I, I was reading this quote last week from a guy called Neil Young. Some of you may know him. He, he's the pastor of Causeway Coast Vineyard, which is a wonderful vineyard church that's part of our family of vineyard church. He's also a really great leader. And, and he, he wrote this, he tweeted it out, and it, it just resonated with where my heart was at for this morning. He said, My obedience to God... Is a marker of my trust in God. When I trust Him fully, I obey Him fully. Any deviation in my obedience is a sign of a deficit in my trust. I'm thankful that His grace and mercy covers me in this, but in so many ways, I wish it didn't have to. And I love that. I love one of the prayers for my life and for us this morning is that our trust would increase. That when we hear the word of the Lord, when that comes to us, we would unflinchingly say yes. I'm grateful for the grace and mercy that covers my deficit. I want to trust Him more. Amen? Amen. We're going to share... um, Well, I'm going to pray for us because I said that I'll just have a moment where we can give our yes to Jesus, either for the first time. So you may be here today and you've never... Uh, given your yes to Jesus, or you may just sort of know that you've been uh, disconnected from a life of faith, but you're here today, and you hear the word of the Lord coming to you, and you're saying, I'm going to give my yes to that. But for many of others here today, I I would love us to just to give our yes afresh to him today, that in, in whatever the Lord is speaking to us about, that our answer is an unequivocal yes. So should we pray? Should we just bow our heads together just for a moment? Lord Jesus, thank you that your word comes to us a second time, that you are loving, that you are generous, that you keep on reaching out to us even when we've turned our back. Lord, uh, I'm sorry for the mess in my life, for, for the ways that I have turned my back, for the ways that I've, ter- that I've jumped on that ship heading in a different direction. And so, Lord, in this moment, I hold up my hands again and I say I'm sorry. And so Lord, I pray that in this moment you would meet me with amazing grace. Extraordinary love, abundant mercy. Jesus, wipe the slate clean in my life. Set me on a new path. Jesus, I choose to give my yes to you. I choose to trust you. I choose to believe you, and so I turn to you. I open my heart to you. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to go on giving my yes to you. In Jesus' name. Now, just as we've got our heads bowed, if you've prayed that for the first time with me this morning, or because you know that you're wanting to reconnect in a life with God, could you just catch my eye as I look around? Because I want you to know this moment is real for you. Um, And I would love just uh, for us to catch up at the end of our service. So I'm just going to look around. If you've prayed that um, with me for the first time today, then just uh, catch me after the service. Wonderful. Thank you. For those that have just caught my eye, do come and chat with me. We've got um, a pack here which can help you to take some next steps um, in a life of following Jesus. Wonderful. Now, before our ministry time, we are going to share... Uh, communion together. So Ash, Jacob and the guys, do you want to come and uh, get yourselves ready? Uh, Al, come and Alarine, come and join me too, would you? So I, I read a verse earlier from Matthew chapter 12 that I'm going to read again. Um, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man, this is Jesus talking about himself, so the Son of Man, will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You know, one of the things as we read Jonah's story, that that part where he's in the fish's belly, for three days and three nights, it points us forward to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that we remember that together is in communion. So that's a reminder of the evening before Jesus died on the cross. He had this meal with his disciples. And as part of the meal, he took some bread... And he broke it. And that's a beautiful thing. We, we, we remember in just this symbol of broken bread, the broken body of Jesus Christ that's broken for us. And then at another point in the meal, Jesus took um, a cup of wine. We're actually using grape juice this morning. But the color is symbolic again to us. It reminds us, it points to the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus said, that that this this cup was symbolic. This was his blood shed for us for the forgiveness of our sin. Thank you. So if you said yes to Jesus today, you're reaching out to him, you are welcome to share communion with us today. Um, There are a number of points around um, our room here today. There are Two tables of bread at the front in the corners, two at the back. Go to one of those points, take a piece of bread, and and eat the piece of bread. And then come towards the central points. There's one at the front, one at the back. Take one of the little glasses of of juice, drink that. Really helpful if you can put your glass back on the table rather than under your chair. It just helps the team to get ready for the next service. If you need gluten-free, that is on the table just to the left of the stage. Uh, For those of you that are online, I hope you've grabbed what you need because I can't help you at this point. Um, If you are able to stand, could you stand with us? So I'm going to pray, then we'll share communion as we worship, and then would you gather back, stay in this moment with Jesus because we're in his presence, remain present to him. I want to encourage you, you know, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of the Lord is coming to us today. And so what is he saying to you? And then we'll jump up and we'll lead into our prayer ministry time. So would would you just stay sort of connected with the Lord and what He wants to say to you? So Lord, thank you for your broken body and your shed blood for us. And so Lord, we come to your table at your invitation knowing that you are present. And so Lord, I pray that you would meet us here. In, In these tangible symbols, we would know that we're partaking of what you have done for us. And so I pray that your grace and mercy would meet us in abundance in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's share communion together.